Y'all, y'all ready? Y'all ready for Christmas? Have you done all of your shopping and got everything ready to go? Come on, who's sweating it a little bit still? Anybody still? No hands. Nobody's going to admit it. I'm just like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing that one. But secretly, you know. You know. <laughs> hey, true story. Um, just, you know, like a few years ago, not that long ago, just a few years ago, like when I was in high school, a couple years ago. Um, I was a musician. I grew up in a family of musicians. My mom played piano and sang. My grandma, she played organ, played organ in the church. I grew up playing drums, singing. And so in high school, I became like full-on, full-fledged, all-in band geek. Come on, any band geeks in the room tonight? Come on, let's go. Band geek. They're like, it was like, I would have admitted it if you hadn't used band geek. But I but I was, I was all in. And um, played drums and marched. And so uh, one year I had the opportunity in our marching band to become one of the drum majors. Now, I've since learned that drum major in Belton, Missouri could mean something different than in other parts of the country. So in other parts of the country, drum major might mean baton twirler, which is cool, but I just wanna be super clear tonight that I had no interest in being that. Okay, it's fine, it's just not me. Uh, so for us, drum major meant you stood up in front of the band and directed. And so I was pretty excited about the opportunity until I realized I was gonna have to give up a big chunk of my summer at a drum major camp. And I was like, no thank you. Uh, I'm not, I just got my license, I got better things to do, come on. And so I, I bowed out of that, but I had learned just this, Michaela's done some music theory classes, I learned like when you're directing a band or a choir or something, how to, this is the one, two, three, four, one, two, three. So uh, I'm, I'm leveraging my opportunity to stand in front of you during these Christmas services and finally put that to use. Never got to do that. And there's a song that we are not singing as part of the worship time during these Christmas services, but it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. And so I just wanted to ask if you would help me tonight, if you would just let me fulfill the dream of directing, and you guys, you won't be a band, but you could be the choir, and would you be willing to just sing through the first chorus of Joy to the World with me? Would you, can I, would you do that with me tonight? Yes, okay, and so here's the deal. Uh, the louder you sing, the better your chances that I don't make you do it twice, all right? So like, so that's the deal, all right? So, so you ready? Ready, all right, so here we go. Joy to the world, come on. The Lord is come. Let her, let her receive her King. Let every heart, let every heart prepare Him. And come on, let me hear you. And All right, come on, give me your hands. That was beautiful. Give yourselves a hand. Good job. Thank you, Michaela. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question tonight just to kind of set us up for where I want to spend a few minutes with you. If you could think about kind of the condition of your own heart this Christmas, and I want you to think about the song you just sang, and that word that we see everywhere this time of year. We see the word joy. It's, it's on Christmas cards. It's 
It's on coffee mugs. It's on decorations. If you're, uh, if you're one of those people who, instead of, you know, hanging lights on the house, you just bought a projector and aimed it at the house, <laughs> you might just say joy. You know what I'm talking about? Just joy. I'm, hey, I'm with you. Like, I ain't going to spend all that time out there. Just, just good. You're done. This is where joy, this is where joy. and I'm going to do something that uh, surprisingly I've never done in this, our 11th Christmas together as a church. I have never just read the Christmas story start to finish uh, in one of our Christmas services. I've taken excerpts at times, and it's such an important piece of everything that we're celebrating right now. In fact, if you've never done this, I would encourage you to do it. Maybe try to build some tradition around that in your home and your family this Christmas. So when, when Christmas comes on Sunday, uh, we won't open a gift or a stocking. We won't do anything until we've gathered around. We'll sit on a, our family room floor and we will read Luke chapter 2 together, the Christmas story. And then we will, I know this sounds a little cheesy, but we'll sing happy birthday Jesus as a family. And we just take time there to reflect and remember why we're having this day and what it's all about. But this word joy, you just, you kind of see it everywhere this time of year, don't you? We sing about it, we print it, we display it. Joy, and I want you to think about the idea of joy the way you would maybe think about the, the fuel tank in your car, all right? I know that's maybe a sore topic with gas prices, but I just want you to think about, think about the way you would read the fuel tank in your car, empty, quarter, half, three quarters, full. And if you had to tonight, if you had to just kind of put a number on it, if you had to put a gauge on like, what is the current level of joy I'm experiencing in my life that I'm carrying in my life right now, where, where would you put that on the meter? And I just want you to kind of hold that in your heart. Just kind of sit with that in your heart tonight as we explore the Christmas story together. As I was reading and, and preparing for our time together this weekend, I actually saw some stuff in the Christmas story that had for whatever reason, it had never grabbed me before. It's one of the reasons I love the Bible. It's one of the reasons I love Scripture is because it never stops being new. It never stops being new. And so let's just go there together. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home, and he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged. How many think that would have been a bad start to the relationship if he had left her behind? Who was now expecting a child. Obviously, that child is Jesus. And um, those, those first five verses actually are incredibly significant. Uh, I, was, I was a little disappointed, actually. I heard some, somebody recently say that the Christmas story and the idea of where Jesus came from and whether or not there was a virgin birth is actually not that important to who Jesus is and the person of Jesus. And I just thought, that's, well, that's, no, that's, that's absolutely, it all hinges on this because it's been, if you're a Jewish person, if you're living in that time and, and place, it's been about 400 years since the last words were written in what we call the Old Testament. And so there's this gap in your Bible. You have an Old Testament and a New Testament. And there's the last words written in the Old Testament. There's about a 400-year gap between when those are recorded and when Jesus is born and, and the story that we're reading tonight. And in fact, the whole reason the scriptures give us these, 
details about the arrival of Jesus is because they actually fulfill prophecy that is hundreds and thousands of years old about the coming of the Messiah and the Christ. If Jesus shows up and says, hey, I'm the Messiah and the Christ, but he's not the fulfillment of God's prophecies that had come before, then people can just call him a lunatic and a, and a fake. Are you all tracking with me so far tonight? So these details are actually really important. That he was born of a Virgin Mary, that, that they did have to travel, that he, he is born in this lowly place, a manger, and it says, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night, there were shepherds. I like the shepherds. Come on, anybody else like the, they're the blue-collar, gritty people in the Christmas story. Anybody else a shepherd fan? I'm a shepherd fan. Get your hands dirty, sleeping with the animals. They're camping. The shepherds are RVers, I'm convinced. All right, they're camping. They're sleeping in the fields, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. And you would be too, if you're out there sleeping with your sheep, ain't heard from God in 400 years, and all of a sudden people just appear and start talking to you. How many of y'all, you'd be wondering like, what was in my dinner? Like, what's, am I on an acid trip right now? Like, what's happening? What is this? That's them, they're terrified, and the angel says, it's okay, don't be afraid. And I want you all to help me with these two phrases in yellow. I bring you what? Good news that will bring great joy. And as I was praying for you and preparing for this weekend, it occurred to me that for some there's a disconnect even between those two phrases. In fact, maybe you find yourself here tonight or watching online and you've You've been to more Christmas services than you can count. You've heard this story so many times, you could almost recite it yourself. And like on some level, you get it. You understand the good news, this idea of the gospel of Jesus coming, but you've never really experienced great joy. And maybe even for you, it's causing you to question, is it even really that good a news? Does it even matter that much? Because I haven't... I haven't really found myself experiencing the joy piece. And my prayer tonight is that in the few minutes we have together that maybe I could help you just a little bit solve that problem and find a way forward. Great joy to all people. Well, here's what brings the joy. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, I mean, this is pretty cool. One minute you're hanging out with smelly sheep, the next you're getting a free angel concert in the sky. It's pretty awesome. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, and this is the part that jumped out at me that I... I don't know why, but for some reason, I never, never grasped onto this before as I read the Christmas story. It's the response of the shepherds that grabbed me, who 
after 400 years of silence, you, you kind of can't help but wonder, like, was there any part of them tempted to just maintain status quo? To, to write this off as a weird dream or encounter? Do they start trying to rationalize and, and make sense out of it in their heads? Or are they doubting? Like, I, I kind of wish we had a little bit more of the story, the conversation that goes on between the shepherds. I'm sure one, I'm sure some of them were pumped and amped and ready to go, and I'm, I'm sure others are like, well, what are we going to do with the sheep? We can't, we like, we can't just leave them out here. I don't know how you handle, I don't know, if, can you hire substitute shepherds? Is there a website for that? Like, I don't know how you handle the whole shepherd responsibility thing, but they leave. And they say, let's go. I love that. Let's go to Bethlehem. They didn't stay where they were. I think it's kind of the first piece if we want to be people who experience joy in our lives is we might have to come to the understanding that maintaining status quo maybe won't allow that to happen. There might have to be movement. There might have to be something that happens in my heart that says, you know what, I'm going to go because I need to see. I need to experience this thing, this promise that God has made. Let's go and let's see this thing that happened which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurry to the village and they find Mary and Joseph and there's the baby lying in the manger and after seeing him, the shepherds told, everybody say the next word, everyone. So like probably somebody invited you to church tonight. Maybe you even came just to get them to shut up and leave you alone. And you're like, what is it with these people? It, here's, I'm gonna tell you exactly what it is. We've gone and seen. At some point in our life, we've left the status quo and we've experienced the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus, and it changed us. And so we are compelled to tell everyone. Can I get an amen, somebody? They told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child, and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart. And she thought about them often, and the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it was just as the angels had told them. I, I, I love that. There's something about what happens here that transforms the lives of the shepherd. And so I wanted, I knew I was supposed to talk to you about joy tonight, and I was trying to make it easy on myself, just full confession if I can. I was trying to make it easy on myself, and I've heard, I've heard news stories on this, I've read articles on this, I've heard other pastors get up and talk about this. And so kind of just this assumption that this is right, this is true. I, I had all these plans that I had written in my journal. I was getting ready to share with you about how this time of year so many people are struggling with joy. You've probably heard it too. You've probably heard that the statistics around mental health get worse in the holidays and even awful, terrible things like people choosing to take their own lives. Those rates go up in the holidays. And so just out of... I just felt this need to go research that and make sure that, that I was accurate and I wanted to be able to cite my sources. And so I, I actually went and started looking, I started researching that. And so I went to the National Institute on Mental Illness and I went to the American Psychiatric Association and, and started looking at statistics on the holidays. And um, here, here's something interesting. Both of those organizations, one of the very first things they say about the holidays is what you hear about uh, suicide and, and depression and all these things getting worse in the holidays is actually a myth. And I was like, uh-oh, there goes my whole sermon. 
Like that was supposed to be, this was supposed to be easy. That was supposed to be my foundation for this whole thing is to get up and say, hey, I know how many of us are struggling with joy during the Christmas season because statistically it's proven that a lot of us are. And the problem is I found out that's not actually the truth. Anybody else ever had that happen to an assumption that you were making and you're like, man, what do I do now? So I leaned in a little bit further, and I thought this was fascinating, and I can't prove that there's causation here, but there's definitely some correlation. Guess when those statistics are actually at their worst? It's about six months from right now. It's actually the time of the year where we're furthest from celebrating the arrival of the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. The time of year where it might be the furthest from our mind is actually the time where we're at our worst in America when it comes to the condition of our hearts and our minds. I don't, I can't prove that there's anything to that. I haven't done a scientific study on it, but it certainly feels like it's possible, doesn't it? And so I asked you earlier if you could put a, a measurement on the level of joy you're carrying this Christmas, what would that look like? Now there is a real thing called the holiday blues. Any psychiatrist would tell you that that's a real thing. You might be feeling that especially if this is your first holiday after a major change in your life or your first holiday without a friend or a family member or someone you loved, and I'm so sorry for the pain you're having to carry. I know it's real. But the statistics actually say that by and large, most of us are feeling pretty joyful this time of year. In fact, less than 40% are dealing with the holiday blues. So where's your joy level? And let me just... Quick show of hands, if I could help you get your joy level to full tonight, how many would take that deal? Like, I would take that deal. Some of you are like, no, I kind of like being angry and ticked off at the world. Thank you very much. No, I would take that. I want the full, I want the full joy in my life. And one more, what, what, if, what if there was a way that we could take that level of joy and carry it with us into January, February, March, April, May? What if you could get to that six-month mark, and then now you get to look towards Christmas again, and you just get to build momentum towards celebrating the birth of our Savior all over again? How many would like it if you could just keep that joy level a little more consistent throughout the year? How many would take that deal? I, I would. I would. What if we could do that? Carry joy with us the whole year? Well, I think for that to happen, you're going to have to kind of get on board with something that I'm about to say that on its face value, you're gonna be like, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, but I'm gonna to try to prove it to you, okay? So if you look at the word joy in the Bible, it's the Greek word kara, and what you need to know about that word is that joy is not actually a feeling. It's not a feeling. Joy has feelings, kinda of like love. Our, our society misinterprets love. Love is not a feeling. Love has feelings, but love is not a feeling. Come on, somebody. And joy is not a feeling either. Feelings happen, and feelings are largely determined by circumstance and chance and things that we can't control. And I think, like, just to test me on preaching this message for Christmas, two days in a row God got me, just to be like, hey, I'm just going to make sure you really believe what you're saying. And um, how many know there are just even little things can change our feelings? Yeah? Like yesterday, I'm leaving to come here to preach Jesus. 
the pastor. And as I'm leaving my neighborhood, I'm at the stoplight that I need to be able to get out to get here. And the, the gentleman in front of me, who I'm sure is a wonderful man, the light turns green and he doesn't move. And I'm, I'm in a big truck. I can see down in there. I can see that he's sitting there scrolling his phone. And so I just want to be real. I just want to be transparent with you. I just want to tell you, feelings of mercy and grace did not overtake me in that moment. There was no part of me that was like, oh, Lord, bless that man. I, I'm sure there's something really important that he needs to just, fi- we'll just sit here on while he figures that out. Mm-mm. I'm, I, I will not confirm or deny, but I may or may not have calculated the height of my headlights to his mirrors and done a couple flickers, if you know what I'm saying. Like, let's go, buddy. And then tonight, I was like, okay, Lord, I get it. Thank you. Thank you for testing me. So then tonight... I get here, I park my truck in the back, I back it into a, a spot there. Y'all notice it's a little windy? A little windy. Thought I gave myself lots of margin. I go to open my door. Just at that moment, a big gust of wind kicks up. I thought I had a good grip, I did not. And that door swung out of my hand and right into the side of one of our dream teamers who's here serving you all tonight. They've got a nice little red mark on the side of their, of their vehicle tonight. And so I want to thank all of you for giving in the legacy offering. I want to announce (laughs) another special offering we're going to take tonight. I'm kidding. (laughs) Can I just, can I tell you, I was not overwhelmed with feelings of happiness in that moment. I wasn't looking forward to finding the person being like, hey, red paint, it's not going to be hard for you to figure out. I'm still parked there. That's me. Joy is not a feeling. Feelings change based on circumstances. So happiness happens. Sadness happens. Feelings happen. And they're driven by circumstance and chance. But joy, I believe with all my heart, is actually a choice. Like, I actually believe that joy can exist at the same time as sadness. And joy can exist at the same time as happiness. I believe it's possible for joy to coexist at the same time as any emotion because joy is me choosing to understand that my current circumstance, my current situation, my current feelings are temporary. And one day, they'll go away and I'll get to spend eternity with Jesus. Earth is temporary. This life is temporary. That, that word kara, joy, in the Bible literally means, watch this, to be in anticipation of salvation. To choose an attitude of gladness. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that I can't control everything that happens around me, but I can choose my attitude. I can choose joy. I can choose it. That emotion can, can coexist with joy. Good, bad, indifferent. I can live through the ups and the downs knowing that this won't last forever. And at the end is Jesus. Come on, isn't that good news? 
that good news? And I'm, I just imagine that's what the shepherds, like the Christ is here. The Messiah is here. Kate, Kate Warren says it this way. She says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control. How many believe that's true? Of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is gonna be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. There's something about that moment, that decision when the shepherd said, let's go and let's see. And the shepherds come back, they come back to the field, they come back to their old circumstances, they come back to their old situation, they come, come back to the, I don't know what their family dynamics were, maybe they come back to the dysfunctional marriage or the, or the kids that are driving them crazy or, or maybe they don't wanna be shepherds anymore, maybe they feel stuck in a dead end career. They come back to whatever the status quo is and even though the circumstances are the same, the shepherds have changed. because they chose to move and go see. And they saw the Savior, they saw the Christ. And I can just imagine that anticipation of salvation beginning to well up within them. And I've lived now my entire adult life in relationship with Jesus. And I'd love to tell you I have it mastered, but I don't. But I have learned no matter what's going on in my world, it won't last and I can choose joy because I anticipate the day that Jesus takes everything that's broken and wrong with this world and he sets it right the way that it was always supposed to be all along and I can choose joy. I can choose it. So I could, I could probably do like a six week, seven week, eight week, 10 week series on choosing joy, but it's a Christmas service and you all got things that you wanna go do and I get it. So let me just give you a couple thoughts. Let me give you a starting point that you can leave from tonight. For some of you, this will be the first time ever in your life that you've done this. But if you wanna be a person who chooses joy, maybe you could start today by choosing Jesus. That's what choosing joy is, it's choosing Jesus. Choose Jesus. Some of you already done that, but maybe you're like me, maybe the dude in the, on the phone in front of you and then the next day the wind grabs your door. And it's, you, maybe it's a little hard, but, but you know what you need to do? You need to try to stack 24 hours on top of each other. So for, like for today, choose Jesus and then try it again tomorrow and try to get to 48 hours, and try to get to 72, what would it look like for me to be a person who says, I choose Jesus every day of my life. I choose to remember that he's got me in the good, in the bad, and everything in between. I can choose joy by choosing Jesus. And I'm just telling you, you can begin to build a habit where every day, every day, come on, say it, you can choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. You can choose him. And I'm just telling you, if you can learn to walk in relationship with him, you can start to see that joy meter, instead of it feeling like it's all over, you can start to have that just consistent anticipation of God in your life. He's gonna show up, he's gonna be faithful, he's gonna take care of me. I can trust him. 
and in every situation. I can choose joy. I can choose joy. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? One of the things I love about Jesus is that not only was he born to be our savior, but he lived here. He walked among us. He experienced every feeling, every emotion that you and I will ever go through in our lives. And then he gave himself up for us. And he's promised us that when we come into relationship with him, we'll experience the Holy Spirit in our lives and we'll never have to spend another day alone by ourselves. And I just wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight or maybe you're watching online and you would say, hey, Michael, I've never really chosen Jesus. I've never really surrendered to him. I've never really made him Lord of my life. Can I just tell you what would make Christmas so special for us and so special in heaven? Is if tonight you would take that step and just say, you know what, I, I, I'm ready. I need to do that. I need to choose Jesus. Maybe for the first time in your life, choose Jesus. Make him Lord of your life. A handful of people did that yesterday. Maybe, maybe you should join them. There's even a little tug happening in your heart right now that says, hey, that's, that's you. That's why you're here tonight. That's why you're watching tonight. This is your moment. This is your chance. Choose Jesus. Choose him. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, I want you to know I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you or call you to the front. I just would love to know if you're in the room tonight and you would say, hey, Michael, I need to do that tonight. For the first time ever, I need to choose Jesus. If that's you, would you just wave a hand at me just so I know that you're in the room? Just wave it real quick. I see it. I see it. Anybody else? I see it. Good job. Anybody else? Anyone else? Awesome. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much for doing that. And if you raised your hand just right there where they're at, there's, this is such a simple thing. I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to help you with the words. Right there, I just want you to say, Dear Jesus, this Christmas, I receive the free gift of you of salvation, of relationship with you. I've been doing life on my own and I don't want to do it that way anymore. So tonight I surrender to you. I commit my life to you. I recognize that you are Lord. I'm a sinner. And so I need you, Jesus, and I thank you I confess that you gave your life for me. And three days later, you rose from the dead. And from this day on, my life belongs to you. It's yours. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed for one more second. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for many years, but you've drifted a little bit and 
Maybe that habit of just choosing Jesus every day is you just kind of needed that reminder tonight. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I just would like to take a second and pray for all of us if I can before we move on. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that no matter how prone we are to wander or drift, we can always come back to you. We can always choose Jesus. We can always choose joy. So I pray this Christmas season that for those of us who are maybe struggling or maybe we've allowed the circumstances of this life and the ups and downs of our feelings and emotions to rob us of joy, that tonight maybe we would be able to refocus our eyes on you. Just fill the joy tank up tonight, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you receive it, would you say amen?